Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the TCB Podcast. I'm Sheena. And I'm Savannah. And we are just so busy here at Graceland. We are. <laughs> we have so many cool events coming up this summer. It, it's kind of mind-blowing. It um, is. We have Marty Stewart at the Guest House at Graceland this weekend, so we hope you have your tickets to that. Um, and also, he'll be opening up his new Hillbilly Rock exhibit tomorrow afternoon here at Graceland. So we hope you'll, you'll be here and that we'll see your smiling face. Absolutely. Um, if you can't make it to that, though, guess what? You can make it to Elvis Week. <laughs> we Absolutely. Still, we still have some time uh, for Elvis Week if you still want to uh, make those special plans to be there. Elvis Week is uh, August 9th through the 18th. We have made a ton of special guest announcements. We have so many wonderful people um, who are going to be here celebrating the king of rock and roll we have everybody from um some of his gospel uh singing friends like um terry blackwood and billy blackwood um co-stars like millie perkins i mean so many people um of course i can't forget our um elvis tribute artists Mm -hmm. um we're gonna have folks like uh gordon hendrix who won this past year our contest bill cherry cody slaughter um you can see our full guest list on elvisweek.com and of course i'm sure we'll have plenty more events and plenty more um not events, but guest announcements and just announcements in general mm-hmm. coming between now and August. So that's really the place to go if you want the latest on Elvis Week. Um, and on top of that, we also have a special project that we're working on where we're looking for some Elvis fans um, who are in love, some Yay. Elvis lovebirds. <laughs> if you have uh, met at, at if you met your sweetheart here at Elvis Week or at Graceland, if you met and got engaged here, if you got married here, and you're coming to Elvis Week, that's a big part of this. We want to hear from you and we want to know your story. So email us at love at graceland.com and tell us your story. Again, we want you to be Elvis lovebirds and we want you to be coming to uh, Elvis Week this year. Um, you'll be a part of something really special. So that's that's what we're, uh, that's why we need your information. <laughs> um, and you can uh, learn more about this special project. You can learn more about everything you've just heard, either at graceland.com or elvisweek.com. And we can't wait to see you at the King's Castle this August. Absolutely. I'm so excited. It's going to be a good one. It is. And just before Elvis Week, we have the Performing Arts Camp. This is Graceland's first ever Performing Arts Camp. It is July 18th through the 22nd. It's for kids 6 to 15. And And if your kid thinks they are a little Elvis or they want to know more about acting and singing and dancing and theater and and so many different cool things, they will want to come to this. Um, We're going to have some really cool uh, Memphis folks who will be teaching them uh, some stuff, some people who are super, super talented, Um, some actresses, um, acting coaches, um, musicians. Um, They're going to learn from the best of the best, that's for sure. And don't think... Oh, gosh, my kid will be in camp all day. What will I do? We will keep you busy. (laughs) Um, We will make sure that you see uh, the sights of the town. We will uh, entertain you with some movies. Um, And this package doesn't just include the workshop. It includes your stay at the guest house at Graceland and your meals. So it's a really great deal. It's a really really great way to um, spend time with your child here in Memphis and with Elvis. And if you want to know more about the camp, just go to graceland.com slash camp. 
And even though we are in the summer months right now, hopefully you are making some holiday plans to come to Graceland. Um, and we have the perfect thing for you. So hopefully last year you guys were able to see the first ever holiday concert here at Graceland. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Sheena and I just loved it. Yeah, we loved it was it. really wonderful. So make sure that you guys get your tickets for this. This is going to be December 14th and 15th in the soundstage at Elvis Presley's Memphis, which is our new entertainment complex. Um, and the schedule for that, uh, so Friday, December 14th, we're going to have a live concert featuring Elvis's biggest Christmas hits. And who doesn't love his Christmas? <laughs> oh, his Christmas songs are the best. Blue Christmas, what, mm, what? <laughs> Yep. Uh, and then on Saturday, December 15th, there's going to be two concerts, uh, one of them being the Elvis Gospel Christmas Concert, and then an Elvis star-studded rock and roll show. The rock show is so much fun. Yes, the rock show will give you <laughs> chills for sure. It is phenomenal. Uh, so make sure you're planning ahead for this holiday season. The hotel packages, ticket-only packages, and individual tickets are available for this special holiday weekend. Just go to graceland.com forward slash holiday to get some more information. And this year we also debuted, on top of many other things we've debuted <laughs> lately, Graceland Excursions. So we told you before, she and I had the opportunity to go on some of these tours, and they are phenomenal. We highly recommend them. Um, it is an expertly guided motor coach tour of either the Mississippi Delta, where the Blues were born, or Tupelo, Mississippi, where Elvis was born. So this is a great way to travel in style. You will feel like a VIP superstar when you roll up in this area conditioned motor coach with Elvis's face on the side. It is the, I wish I could travel like that every day. Yes, definitely. Um, so if you are, whether you're from here or not, this is a great way to go get some rock and roll blues history and also, of course, the history of Elvis and where he first started in Tupelo. You also will get to see, so some, some highlights of that. You'll get to see where Elvis got his first guitar in Tupelo, which is the Tupelo Hardware Store, and the Elvis Presley Birthplace Museum, which is a great one or you can write your own blue song in the delta which is really really cool <laughs> so make sure you go to book now at graceland.com slash excursions okay so next up here on the tcb podcast we are going to flip through the pages of the history book and look at this week in elvis history of course we're just going to cover um a couple of days here in june since it is june 2018 when we're recording this one the first one i chose um, I actually chose because I'm from there. Yay! Kind of, sort of. Uh, this is took place in Belden, Mississippi, and a little North Mississippi geography for y'all. Um, I'm from Pontotoc County, which is where Gladys is from, um, and it, that's right next door to Lee County, which that is um, in where Tupelo is, where Elvis was born. And Belden is sort of in the middle. Um, maybe a little bit more on the Lee County side. Um, but I used to live right down the road from Belden. So, um, <laughs> and on June 15th, 1955, Elvis performed at the Belden High School Gym in Belden, Mississippi. I'm a little surprised that Belden had its own high school, but then again, I know how schools were back then. I know they didn't really kind of consolidate till the 70s, so <laughs> I get it. Anyway, um, in order not to be mobbed, Elvis actually entered the building uh, through a window, and he ripped his pants. And so they're held together at this concert with safety pins. That is so funny. That is so funny to me. Like, Love it. It's so punk rock. It is so <laughs> punk rock. Yeah. 
Okay, so then on June 12th, 1956, Elvis and his then-girlfriend, June Juanico, fly to Houston to pick up his new convertible Cadillac, which he will have painted purple and can now be seen in the car museum. Yeah, just go on over to Presley Motors and see how pretty it is. because it It's gorgeous. It's lovely. Um, and then on June 16th, 1956, so just a few days after he got that beautiful Cadillac, Elvis made an appearance on Wheat Martindale's local TV show that's local to here in Memphis. It's called Dance Party uh, to promote his July 4th charity show here in Memphis. And stay tuned. After the show, we have a little special gift to our fans um, from Wink. Just for you. <laughs> so on June 18th, 1957, the infamous swimming pool at Graceland was installed at a cost of $8,481.35. And uh, a lot of people know it's kidney shaped. It's not heart shaped. It's not piano shaped. It's not not. I've heard so many people say, oh, I've heard it's in the shape of it's not it's not what you think it is. It's a kidney. There's been many days during Elvis week with that hot August sun that I wanted to jump in. But I know. Don't want to lose my job. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, then on July 11th, 1968, we're jumping about, what, 11 years now? Yeah. Um, Elvis is meeting with costume designer Bill Ballou. Um, They are talking about costumes for his 1968 TV special. Elvis agreed to everything except a reprise of this Gold LeMay suit from 57. Because as we know, as beautiful as that suit is, it wasn't Elvis's favorite yeah but you can see it now it's um on display at elvis the entertainer career museum and it is absolutely dazzling it is it is just such beautiful stage wear yeah i heard with the gold lemay that he actually preferred it with the gold lemay jacket but not with the gold lemay pants yes with the black pants yes you're right and um but uh, bill baloo did go on to design um elvis's 70s jumpsuits as well as a lot of his personal wardrobe bill baloo is such a a really cool really talented man Um, amazing so yeah i really think it's it's neat that that's when he met him was that summer so on June 8th, 1969, Elvis is down at the Graceland Gates, as he often was, signing autographs and talking to his fans. He was always so loyal to his fans. How sweet is that, too? I know. I mean, you're at the height of your career again. I mean, because mm-hmm. Elvis had so many wonderful career highs, but you take the time out of your day to go greet your fans. Right. You know exactly who put you there. Right, exactly. He's so wonderful. Exactly. And, and we wish we could still do that today. I know. <laughs> and just to show how uh, big of a star this man was uh, just a couple of years later, June 9th, 1972, Elvis gives a press conference and then he opens a three-day stand of sold-out shows at Madison Square Garden in New York. And I believe he was the first to do those uh, sold-out consecutive shows like that. I forget exactly what the honor was. I wrote a blog on it. I should know. <laughs> um, we do have information on it on uh, the Graceland blog. But yeah, that's such a cool thing that's to do. Amazing. He's the king of rock and roll. Incredible. Incredible. Um, if you want to know more about Elvis Presley, of course, we invite you to come here to Graceland to see him. And you can go to graceland.com to get your tickets to learn more about Elvis. We have so much information on him there. Um, To wrap up today's show, um, we mentioned Wink Martindale earlier. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know Wink from his uh, game show hosting days. He is a really wonderful um, TV personality, but more than that, he's also a friend to Elvis Presley. He was a guest here at Elvis Week in 2015, and so we're going to feature his interview from that that Elvis Week. And if you want to see more of Elvis's friends and co-stars, and fellow musicians just come to Elvis Week 2018. Absolutely. Okay, everybody, enjoy the interview, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. 
How are you, Winston? Good to see you. Good to see you. Good morning. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Thank you very much. You're an audience with extremely good taste. I could tell it the moment I walked out here. You know, Tom, I'm, I don't mean to take over your duty here. Oh, but yeah, sure. The first thing he said to me when we met two days ago. Not, for, Wink, the, not for the first time. Not no, for the, the first time, yeah. but when we arrived in, in Memphis. He said, Wink, you're looking good. And I took it as a compliment until I realized the three stages of man are youth, middle age, and gee, Wink, you're looking good. If anybody ever tells you that, don't listen to them. <laughs> I can honestly say this. Uh, growing up, uh, as I did, uh, you know, people wanted to be Elvis. And, you know, I obviously wanted to be Elvis, but I, I knew that was, there's one Elvis. But I would watch someone like yourself on television or Bob Barker or Johnny Carson and those kind of people. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to be me. And you from Jackson, Tennessee, what was it that, that inspired you to want to go into broadcasting? Like, we saw that, that clip a little bit. We'll talk about, you know, your, your relationship with, with Elvis. But what's the first thing that makes you want to, to go into the career that you well, had? Well, when, when I was about seven or eight years old, all I ever wanted to do was be on the radio. I don't know what it was uh, to be able to talk into a microphone and have your voice come out on the other end of a radio speaker just fascinated me. And so I always wanted to be on the radio. And uh, I thought early on I should practice. And my dad, who was a lumber inspector in Jackson, all he got for Christmas every year was $100 in cash and a year's subscription to Life Magazine. Remember Life Magazine? Well, I grew up on Life Magazine. And I would read it every week, and I would tear out the advertisements, the pages. And I would go into the little back bedroom where I slept every night, close the door, and pretend I was on the radio. And I would ad-lib commercials around what I saw in these uh, advertisements. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me a little, you know, advanced knowledge on how to ad-lib, get myself in and out of situations. And uh, little did I know that it would help me later. But sure enough, uh, right out of high school at the age of 17, my... Uh, Sunday school teacher at Lambeth Memorial Methodist Church in Jackson, also managed the 250-watt radio station over in Jackson. And I used to bug him to death to give me a job. So he got bugged with me one night, <laughs> and I was sitting on the rail of the First National Bank building. You know, every little town has its court square. Mm -hmm. And I was there with a couple of my high school buddies, and he pulled up in his little Henry J. And I said, Chick, when are you going to give me a job on the radio? He said, damn it, come on up. So he took me upstairs, he put me down in front of a microphone, not knowing what he was about to hear. He ripped some Associated Press copy off the newswire, gave me a couple of commercials. Little did he know I'd been ready for this. <laughs> and, I, and I read those things, I went through them like Grant going through Richmond. And he couldn't believe it. And he said, you come down here tomorrow after school, and Mayor Smith will be here, Mayor George Smith, on the radio station. He said, we'll do the same thing for him, and we'll see what happens. So he did, I came down, did the same commercials, and uh, they hired me right on the spot, 25 bucks a week. I got on the phone, called my mom, and said, Mom, I'm going to be reading Nolan's Kitty Shop commercial at 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I said, be listening. And she said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm serious. Be listening to WPLI at 6 o'clock. That'll be me. So I did. I read a Nolan's Kitty Shop commercial. I still have the copy to this day. Oh. And I got home that night, and I said, Mom, did you hear me? 
And you know, you never, you never sound like you think you're going to sound on there. And the same mm -hmm. was true with my mom. She said, that wasn't you. I said, mother, would you, do you think I'd lie to you? She said, probably. <laughs> my mom. But I convinced her, and of course, uh, she lived long enough, as did my dad, mm -hmm. uh, to see me enjoy a measure of success in the business. So you, you start in radio in Jackson, you, you, you take, at some point, you take a 40 West, you end up in Memphis at a, at, at a radio station or two. Um, how do you end up at the Hotel Chiska that night in July of 54? Well. I auditioned for the Clock Watchers morning show on WHBQ radio, which was my dream job because all of us kids in Jackson, Tennessee listened to WHBQ. As a 5,000 watt station, they came into Jackson like a local and they played a lot of music. So we listened to WHBQ. And it was my dream all the way through the last two years of high school to be the morning man on Clock Watchers on WHBQ. And sure enough, I auditioned, came over, my dad drove me over, I got the job and I got the Clock Watchers show. And so on Clock Watchers in 1952, 53, 54, we were playing what I'd term vanilla music at the time. This was before rock and roll. Uh, we played Patti Page and Eddie Fisher and Joe Stafford and Perry Como, all great artists. But um, little did those artists know they were about to be faded away mm -hmm. on stations like WHBQ to make room for rock and roll. One night, in July of 1954, I happened to be at WHBQ Radio showing some of my two football buddies, the same two buddies that I'd been sitting with on the, on the railing at Court Square in Jackson the night Chick Wingate gave me my job. They came over and they just wanted to see the radio station. I was showing them around. And all of a sudden, the switchboard lit up like a Christmas tree and a lot of commotion came out of Studio C, which was Dewey Phillips' Red Hot and Blue show. And so I said, hold it a second. So I went in there, and Sam Phillips had walked in with a copy of That's All Right Mama. It was an acetate, hadn't even been pressed yet, didn't have a B-side recorded. And uh, Dewey had put it on the air and was playing it over and over and over again. In fact, he played, as the record shows, seven times in a row. Wow. And um, Sam had Gladys and Vernon's telephone number. And so I was the one designated to give them a call to ask where Elvis was to see if we could get him to come down to the radio station and enjoy all of this fun that was, that was happening, all the excitement. And so I called, Gladys answered the phone, and they had been listening to Dewey's show because they knew the record was gonna be played. So they were excited. And um, she said, well, he went to see a double feature at the Suzor's. And it was a West, double feature Western. He knew his record was going to be played. He was too nervous to listen. So they said uh, they lived in low rent housing, uh, Lauderdale Courts. And they had a truck. And they said, we'll get in our truck and we'll go down to the theater and get him and bring him down to WHBQ. So they did. They walked up and down the aisle. There was Elvis sitting by himself in the dark theater watching this movie. And uh, they whispered to him, told him what was going on. And he got up and they came down to the radio station. And that was the night that I met Elvis when he walked into the control room. I'm the only living person who was in the studio that night. There was Sam, Elvis, Dewey, and me, four of us. And of course, everybody else is gone but me. And it's one of those, it's one of those nights that's ingrained in my memory for all time, Tom, because it's kind of like, where were you when, when Kennedy was yeah. assassinated or, 
Uh, where were you when World War II ended? Pearl Harbor, I'm old enough to remember that. And of course, the night that Elvis was discovered is something you just don't forget. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't have any idea. There was no way of knowing. Somebody asked me, I was being interviewed a little while ago, and somebody said, did you have any idea that music was going to be changing in the immediate future? Of course, we had no idea because, as I said, we were playing vanilla music in the morning. We weren't allowed to play black music for white kids, as Dewey Phillips was doing every night on Red Hot and Blue with ratings that were astronomical. He had 65 70% of the radio audience at night with kids. But um, it, was, it was a night that changed music forever. Yeah. By the time 1955 rolled around, there was Blackboard Jungle, there was Rock Around the Clock, and there was Elvis Presley, who had started with Blue Moon in Kentucky on one side, and That's All Right Mama on the other. And then by 56, he was with RCA, Heartbreak Hotel, and as they say, the rest is history. That's, that's right. a long answer to your question. That was a great answer, though. We want to hear about that. The Night. Thank you. The Night. I mean, that's the legendary. There's, your, there's a movie right there, That Night. Um, Tell us about, so you, you're on the radio, you, you know, somehow this incredibly handsome young Wink Martindale ends up on television in Memphis uh, hosting a program that people remember in Memphis to this day. Yeah, well, I, I got into television. I, just, I was thrilled to be on radio on WHBQ, and in 1953, Channel 13 went on the air, and Bill Grumbles, my mentor, and John Kleger and the general manager came to me and asked me if I wanted to be on television. And of course, I was, are you kidding, on TV? I just wanted to be on the radio. <laughs> so they put together a little show for kids called Wink Martindale of the Mars Patrol. We had six little Mars guards every day. I'd interview them, and we'd drink our Bosco and milk, and we'd blast off into space. And we'd segue into those old Rocky Jones Space uh, Ranger uh, D movies that they used mm -hmm. to show on Saturday afternoons. Show about five or six minutes of that, and then we would land in our studio Remarkably safe, again. Uh -huh. And uh, we would drink some more Bosco and milk, and uh, I would interview him some more. Usually, some kid would jump up and say, I gotta go pee-pee. <laughs> that happened to me more than once. Live TV. But that was my first television show, and it was enormously successful, very popular, 5.30 to 6 in the evening, five days a week. And then when that ran its course, about two years, three years later, they came to me and... Uh, sort of made me the Dick Clark of Memphis when American Bandstand was so huge in 56, 57, 58. So I did a show called Top Ten Dance Party, which was sponsored by Coca-Cola, every Saturday for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of my friendship with Elvis to that point, and thanks to Dewey Phillips, who was also a good friend of mine, and George Klein, um, Elvis came back from doing Love Me Tender in 56, and he happened to be doing a, um, a charitable show at the Overton Park Shell mm -hmm. for the Cynthia Milk Fund. And uh, he naturally wanted to promote that, and he wanted to do me a favor, thankfully. So he came on my show, and uh, Dewey Phillips came on with him with his wild shenanigans, and he <laughs> came on with a guitar. Some of you, anybody in the audience here who happened to see that interview on Dance Party, are you too, are you too young for that? I don't see any hands. There's uh, one over there. Oh. But, um, hey, Joy, it's Joyce. Yeah. Somebody, we didn't have videotape at that time. Video was brand new videotape. 
But somebody happened to suggest that because of Elvis's continuing popularity and he was burgeoning, he was, he was the biggest thing since baked bread, you know, in 1956 and getting bigger every day. He said, you ought to, you ought to hire somebody to come in and, and record this interview. And so we didn't have any kind of budget for the show, and so I just, in my own pocket, uh, paid for to have an, um, a photographer come in. His name was Bob Zimmerman, and he set up his 16-millimeter movie camera right there in front of the jukebox where I used to do all my interviews with the stars. And uh, thankfully, he recorded that uh, mm -hmm. that interview. And I am told that it's the it's the first filmed interview that Elvis ever did, even though he had already been to Hollywood. Never he had done interviews, but never a filmed interview. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it was put on film for all time. In fact, the entire interview is, uh, is reprinted in my book called Winking at Life, if anybody's interested later. You know what would be fun? Uh, that incredible story about that moment. Let's run that video one more time. It's just about a minute or so. Let's, let's look at it again. This is the last couple of minutes of that interview. Yeah. But we can also she see. Started. She was wearing my ring, and I was wearing her ring. We were wearing each other's rings. <laughs> so we have a, a diamond ring that we're going to uh, have as a door prize. Uh -huh. uh, it, it's my initial ring. I've had it for some time, and it has 14 diamonds in it. And uh, we're going to give it away at the door as a door prize. I see. And uh, everything. And all the, all the proceeds from this particular show, this is July 4th at Russwood Park. Elvis is going to be there. He's going to sing and play. His band will be there. Many other stars will be there, too. We will certainly want you to watch Bob Johnson's column in the Memphis Press Seminary, watch all the publicity on it, and get your tickets in advance. Elvis Presley, I want to thank you again, because thank we know you're a busy man, and thanks a lot for coming by and seeing us at dance party and saying hello to all your friends here in Memphis and the Mid-South. Anytime you're in town and want to come by, we certainly will welcome you. Well, thank you very much, Wink, and I'll see you again. Okay, thanks a lot. Elvis Presley. And then, and then he did it for me again, in 1959, when I was transferred by RKO from WHBQ to KHJ in Los Angeles, I started that summer doing the same kind of show there that I was doing here. Mm -hmm. Elvis was in Germany. I was able to get in touch with him on by phone. We didn't do an, a, a, a you know a live on camera interview. Couldn't do that, but uh, I did a telephone interview with him. And of course, just a phone interview with him in 1959 was I mean that was. Wink Martindale knows Elvis Presley in Los Angeles. You know, and wow, we better watch this. And the ratings were terrific. A great way to kick off a new show. So he did that favor for me, too, which I, which I um, appreciate to this day. How'd the Colonel feel about that? Colonel never... Colonel used to talk to me on a fairly regular basis. I'd run into him at the RCA uh, Wholesale Studios uh, down on Monroe Street where they... Um, where RCA was located. And after I did the interview on Top Ten Dance Party, he never spoke to me again. Because he thought that Elvis should be paid for everything that he did. And of course, Elvis did this on his own. But he never did talk to me after that, even in Los Angeles, anywhere. I, yeah. you know, not it, that I really cared. It was his loss. But Elvis did. Elvis kept, you know, and, and Sandy told her, her story about meeting Elvis and, and how, uh, you know, they dated for a while. And, and tell us your version of, of meeting Sandy and, and, and how, because here you have this relationship with Elvis, this friendship with Elvis, and she's someone who 
Elvis knew her father, and they dated, and she was in movies. How did the two of you intersect? We came to each other totally through different directions, of course, because I had known Elvis in Memphis uh, from the beginning in 1954 forward, and she met Elvis for the first time right after he, uh, well, while he was doing GI Blues. Mm -hmm. And I think, if I'm right, that was around 1960. But uh, by the way, did anybody see Sandy's interview with this guy yesterday? <laughs> Weren't they terrific? I've seen, I've seen my wife interviewed on so many occasions over the years. But yesterday, you brought out so much of her that I'd never oh. seen before. I thought, a great interviewer. And it's an honor to oh. be sitting here next to this guy. He ought to have his own show. From Wink Martindale, you know? But by the way, speaking of Sandy, didn't I marry up? I know what I'm doing. I was telling a little bit of the story last night. We were sitting at the restaurant Blue City Cafe on Beale Street, and we're sitting there, and they bring the menu, and, and the waiter comes over, and Sandy says, yes, I've got some questions. And Wink just looks at me and goes, watch this. <laughs> 20 minutes later, she answered the question. Yeah. And ordering a drink, what did you say? <laughs> it's always the same thing. But she looks at, she talks, and she looks at the thing, and it's always the same thing. She's Italian, and if you don't get in the way, she'll hit. Italian. Huh, you're Italian? Yeah. Well, you know how you all talk, you know. You'd, and if you aren't careful, she'll hit you in the head a few times while she's talking. That's why you did that, when you yeah. said, watch this. Yeah, yeah. You but know. I, I met Sandy in Palm Springs, California. I was down there one weekend to do an industrial film for General Telephone. I was working uh, for Gene Autry's station, his flagship station in Los Angeles at the time, KMPC, big 50,000-watt station. And uh, uh, through the station, they had a commercial they need for me to do. So I went down to Palm Springs. It was on a Sunday. And uh, I went to the Gene Autry Hotel. And I was with a buddy of mine who flew down with me. And we're walking by the coffee shop. and. Um, we were kind of, well, to be honest, let me tell you, we're not on TV, are we? Uh, just a monitor, but it's, to be, there's no To be fear. honest, we were checking out the action by the pool, of which, by the way, there was very little that day. <laughs> it was not a good day to be in Palm Springs. <laughs> now we're walking back by, and Sandy's girlfriend, Terry Brown, says, look, that's Wink Martindale. And she looked at me, she said, no. This is what she said, according to her words, that's not Wink Martindale. He's an old married guy with a bunch of kids. <laughs> Which I've often said, thank you, Sandy. I appreciate that. <laughs> but sure enough, we went in, sat down, and talked. And I talked to Terry most of the time. My friend talked to Sandy. I didn't really, I didn't get a phone number or anything. So Fade to Black had come up on a couple of weeks later. And Terry Brown called Sandy. And she said, guess who called for your telephone number? And she said, who? Wink Martin. You're kidding. He didn't even talk to me hardly while we were having coffee that morning. But folks, I knew a good thing when I saw it. <laughs> and I took her out on a date, and then I came back for another date, and then another date. And unlike like Elvis, when, when Elvis took her out, her mother did not come along oh, on oh, my oh, dates. Oh. I wouldn't allow that. <laughs> of course, she wasn't 14 at the time either. <laughs> But um, on my first date, we went to a place called the Chart House in Malibu. It's one of our favorite restaurants. And every year since we got married, August 2nd, 1965, we've been married 40 years this past August 2nd. 
every anniversary we go back to the chart house in Malibu uh, and have a nice dinner. Your ride is here. Yeah, <laughs> my ride is here. But uh, that's the way it all started. And um, as I say, we've been married 40 years, and she is, without a doubt, the best investment I ever made. <laughs> love her dear. Love her more now than I ever did. Yep. And there are guys in the audience who are saying, get out of here. Don't you ever argue. Well, we have little spats every now and then, but it goes away. Yeah. And once you meet them, you are friends for life. You get swept up in their world. You, uh, years back uh, in Los Angeles, I met you at some events through, I think, probably Jerry. And we just became pals. And every time I would go to L.A., we would have lunch together or have dinner with Sandy and yeah. just tell stories. And, and you always said, you, you're, you're married to a fictitious person. You're not married. There's no person named Lisa because I kept talking about my wife. And finally, a few months back in Vegas, you got to meet her. So you know I married up, too. That's right. You definitely. I think you married more up than I did. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Can I tell you how much of an influence this gentleman has been on my life? As a, as a broadcaster, as a television person, look at this shot. It looks like Walt Disney threw up on us. Look at this. Look at this. You know, it's amazing. When I saw him today and he had this coat on, and I saw him on, on monitor backstage, I thought, I wonder if he's going to wear that all day. <laughs> How far did you chase him to get that thing? <laughs> If you've been to Lansky Brothers again, can you tell? We spend fortunes at Lansky Brothers. <laughs> now that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. And if you think that's embarrassing, you should see his shorts. You want to show them? No, that's okay. No. <sighs> this is why he's Wink Martindale and I host Elvis Week, you know? The amazing thing about it is I, I think it's wonderful. Wink has these brand new headshots uh, that, uh, that, that he had. Just, these were just taken uh, a couple of weeks yeah, ago, right, I think, right? right? That, that was my first promotional rec uh, picture for Dot Records. when I, I got lucky in 1959, first year in California, made a talking record called Deck of Cards. Mm -hmm. And it ended up selling a million, and I got to do it on the Ed Sullivan Show, and that was Dot Records in my first... I remember buying that suit to be on the Ed Sullivan Show. I called Wink, I said, I, and I texted a picture, I took a picture of this, and I found it in an antique store in, in Nashville, and I took a picture and I sent it to Wink, and I, and I was excited, and I didn't think about how this sounded. I said, I found this in an antique store. And you said, you have no idea how that makes me feel. <laughs> how would you like for somebody to tell you that? <laughs> I didn't. I'm still saying I'm sorry for that. But you know what? Before we get away from talking about Sandy. Boy, we never are away from talking about Sandy. I have never, ever in my life, and we've been married for 40 years, and we've known each other for, say, roughly 50 years. I've never met anybody who didn't like her. She gets along with everybody. I sat there watching her sign autographs yesterday and taking multitudinous pictures, and... She just loves people, mm -hmm. and um, she's got a little cold. I think I gave her a little cold while we were here. She's not feeling all that great this morning, but she was in rare form yesterday, wasn't she? She's a good girl. She may not be feeling well this morning, and it ain't got anything to do with having a cold. <laughs> we, were, we were at the... Now, what does that mean? Uh, you know, we were... 
we enjoyed the evening. We, 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 you went to the Hard Rock. You saw Memphis Jones and his oh three-piece band playing yes. last night, and you said to me, and I told him this this morning, you said, how do they make that kind of music with three pieces? They got more music out of three pieces than any band I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I just did a little interview backstage before I came out here with Memphis Jones for uh, Graceland.com. And what a, what a nice interviewer yeah. he is, and what a great musician for Pete's Exactly. <laughs> hey! Speak, speak of the quote-unquote devil. <laughs> I was hoping you were back there. Thank you, Memphis. I'm going to have new bumper stickers printed up and say, I know Memphis Jones. Yeah, me too. You know? What an inspirational guy. I mean, a great guy and loves Elvis, loves music. And what is there about this town that the music just seeps out of the walls? I mean, it, it's just amazing. We were down on Beale last night, and there was, no, there was music everywhere coming out of every building. I think, uh, you know, everybody realizes it now, uh, back in the mid-'50s when it all started, nobody really realized where uh, Memphis was going to end up in the... Um, in the so-called Music Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But music is, Memphis is known worldwide for its reputation. Not only, be, well, it started with Elvis, but uh, because of the great um, station WDIA, mm -hmm. which was our strongest competition when I was in radio here, and they're still, I think, number one. Because of WDIA and then Elvis, and then all of the other artists, and Sun Records, and Sam Phillips, and. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, and, and the music that comes out of Memphis is so much more real uh, in the genre than even Muscle Shoals, Alabama, which became famous for its, its kind of music. But um, everybody knows Memphis. Memphis is on the map, and it's one of the, to this day, and I will say this to all of you, I've been gone since 1959 always look forward to coming back to Memphis because I still consider Memphis my home. L.A. is just a place away from home. But I love Memphis, and I think it looks great, and I always enjoy coming back here. And I'm sure you visitors who are here from other cities and states around the country and countries as well who are here see uh, uh, how special Memphis is, and you feel it, I'm yeah, sure. Exactly right. Come home to Memphis. Yes. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing, uh, as, as Tom, I, if you've ever seen Tom Jones in concert, he always opens his concert with the line, um, uh, ladies, thank you for coming to see me tonight, and gentlemen, thank you for bringing the ladies. <laughs> well, Wink, thank you for coming to see us this week, and Wink, thank you for bringing Sandy. Thank you. I can tell you it's my pleasure. <laughs>